What's going on, everybody? You've got the Cardboard Coaches here with your host, Coach Co, and the SCC Sports Card Cartel. Hello, sports card investors. You know that RVD was one of my favorite hustlers? And this, you know, this probably won't make any sense to anyone who's just listening audibly. However, uh, Cartel's wearing an RVD, a.k.a. Rob Van Dam shirt. And I felt like I had to address that before we address that obvious shot at Sports Card Investor. <laughs> oh, man. Hello! Hello, people spending money on basketball cards. Okay, yes, Rob Van Dam. Um wonderful professional wrestler former ecw and wwe champion we should all aspire to be as flexible as rob van dam uh and flexible in our sports card decision making do you like that is that a good you like that yeah you know i thought you were just going to jump on the the sports card investor and talking about nonstop basketball wax but uh, it's all basketball and that's uh you know, it's interesting for guys like us that tend to keep our hands in some of the other sports like we always have. Yeah. There's always that temptation to delve into what everyone's talking about. You turn on your Instagram, you are bombarded by basketball. Man, I look, basketball is always a popular sport in school amongst my friends. I'm sure you, you have the same experience. You play basketball, you enjoy it. But it really seems like three times the amount of people now are, are basketball fans. Um, and you know what? That's that's symptomatic of what's been going on with basketball in general. It's been building its base. It has not suffered the controversies of the NFL. It has not suffered the steroid scandal of baseball. It has not suffered being a smaller market like hockey. So it kind of makes sense. Constantly. And everyone is going nuts, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, at this point, it's one of those things where even if I wanted to dabble in this exciting market, it's very difficult to do so, right? You know what I'm talking about. I do because I actually am getting into this a little bit later than you are, as we've spoken about a bunch of times. I probably jumped in around March, and by then you you were already you had been in in the basketball market for a, just about a year, correct? Myself? Well, not really, not really. I mean, well, prison. When, when did prison drop? Well, I mean, but remember, all I was doing was, you know, I was being opportunistic. With, well, that, with I mean, at the very least, like you had your hands in it, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with with getting too deep into something I don't know about, for right? Sure. And uh, you know, that's the temptation that everyone's experienced during lockdown because everyone's collecting everything. All these, every sector of collectibles right now is on fire. So you you're very tempted to dip into Pokemon, dip into look. There's people dipping into sneakers. Um, I started getting back into coin collecting. Everything is very. Uh, abundant and uh, exciting right now. So it's, it's tempting to do that, but I was just very opportunistic with buying sealed basketball product. It worked for me because the temptation to rip is not really there since I'm not looking for specific cards for a PC or anything like that. So I wouldn't say I'm really at any point I was really in the basketball market, but I was definitely experiencing what was happening and seeing it before you hopped in. Right. And uh, my point is I, we, we were talking last episode about how the boxes have already increased and you, you almost ran a break when, when we had electric on here, we were talking about trying to fill your break and yeah. uh, 
Remind me again how much per spot this break was going to be. Well, at the end of the day, it was a break for Mosaic and Prism. It would have it would have netted me uh, somewhere in the region of thirteen fifty, and and I ended up. Uh, so what did you sell it? Out. What did you sell it for now? More than that. There you right? go. So yeah. mind you, I still wanted to have a fun time no, ripping. Of course, of course. That. Yeah, but I'm just but yeah, saying, I mean, like, it, it, and that was what we had electric on a month ago. Yeah, a few episodes ago. And yeah, so it just what you're speaking about right now quite clearly is the uh, volatility of the market, how, how quickly it's changing. It sure um, is. I mean, ever, I mean I, it's, already, it's already increased in price since, since I made that sale. So, um, so the, great for the buyer, great for me. Uh, but at the same time, I am sitting a little, on a little bit more of that product and that's exciting. So I have a little bit of investment when it comes to basketball, still not enough to really make me a, a, a full-time viewer or fan. It's just, it's just not my sport currently. I'm really, you know, I know, you know, you're into soccer um, and you're going to be uh, very much looking forward to hockey. Hockey's my first love. I, I'm getting pretty deep into UFC and pro wrestling again. So, uh, you know, you got to organize your time. People watching the Mandalorian, people are, you know, doing this kind of stuff. There's only so much time in a day. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to be going any deeper into this basketball market. Let's, let's talk a little bit about how, how wild it is. Yeah, for sure. So one thing I'm seeing from, you know, just outside looking in, uh, obviously, if you own one of those prominent cards or if you own a PSA 10 basketball, congratulations. It, you know, you've seemingly hit the mother load. The one thing that's kind of concerning, just from, like I said, someone on the outside looking in, and I've watched basketball for, you know, like 15 years, has never been my number one sport. Um, but I've always really enjoyed watching basketball. I was a religious Nuggets fan when AI got traded there, but also when Mello was drafted by them. So I, I probably watched three to four years of every single Nuggets game. Recently, we're in Toronto. Toronto Raptors have been on the uh, on the rise. So it's not to say that I have not, and I, I'm not participating at least visually in basketball but some of these pop counts on the PSA 10s they're a little concerning because one of the reasons why you want or why cards are so impressive let's say are because not everyone owns them right so what happens if there's I mean 50,000 jaws out there do you know what I mean and not even just jaw base but like a jaw rookie variation there's illusions there's hoops there's there there are like nine thousand different variations of a jaw rookie card this is the big discussion how many uh, michael jordan rookie cards are there right how many uh of those vintage rookie cards are there versus the the selection of products the abundancy of the accepted product because at this point prism um in the hockey world we refer to it as you know like the young guns of basketball we have our own issues with populations and the abundancy of young guns, rookie cards and the pops, but um, you don't see anything like you see in basketball. It's there's just so many. I remember I was tracking the Zion prism PSA 10 alongside the Connor. The Connor at this point is now five years old, five, six years old, six years old. And um, the Zion had been out for less than a year and it surpassed the number submitted. And it's just going to keep going. You know, a, a prominent Instagram account the other day reminded me of the fact that there's so much back order at PSA. And when that's unleashed, yeah. 
on the market. You're just adding more and more. Just imagine how many, um, I'll just give you a quick example again on the hockey end. Imagine how many Hughes Brothers cards are in the back pocket of PSA at the moment, sitting there stewing, yep. about to hit the market. Um, and again, similarly in basketball, there's just going to be more and more prism mosaic and so many breakers are, are breaking product and it's like a machine you're breaking it you're pulling it you're sending it off to psa sgc bgs whatever it is and it's just really going to be a, a flooded market scenario and i think there has to be some market correcting does it mean that there's going to be a massive drop off i don't think so because don't forget there's still new collectors entering the market yeah. to this thing yeah. Um, and again, all these big events like the Gretzky sale, like all this, all the sales that get the big publicity, more and more collectors. This is not a, a fringe hobby anymore by any means. And I talk about the fact that, you know, it's just a lot of these mainstream cards. Those are the ones people are going to go after. It's not many new collectors coming after Zion's numbered out of 50 or the really high end stuff. Yeah. Most people don't have that money to spend. So they're going to be looking for the base stuff. There will be a demand. You know, one thing I find really interesting, and this actually, uh, the reason why I'm saying this, because it happened to me last year when jaw was tearing up after the restart, um, you know, I kind of fell in love with him. I saw this electric player who was able to shoot and handle the ball and had this demeanor where he was going to take his team by the balls and he was going to single-handedly be the reason why they won the game. And so I went looking for his rookie cards and obviously, you know, PSA 10 prism. I, at this point, I really didn't have much knowledge on the basketball market in general. Um, but I saw a PSA 10. It was a PSA 10 prism. However, it was a draft prism. And I obviously didn't know that. And I do now. Um, so I, I purchased it for, I believe it was 85 plus shit. Now, if we talk about the prism base of Ja, you ended up just looking up his base and it's going for, what did you say it was? Oh, like at this point, 600 US for a, for a PSA 10. So I checked roughly two weeks ago and it was sitting close to five, five, five in a bit. So that means that that thing is up $100 roughly over the every day, two weeks. Every day volatility. You know what really hasn't gone up at all? The draft. That draft, yeah. And so my concern is that there's a lot of people that are excited about the draft class of this year, albeit, you know, on paper, apparently it's not as deep, um, but people just want to rip wax. And you're seeing a lot of people ripping draft. And I just hope that, you know, the prices aren't going to be as low moving. I mean, I know it's a lesser cost product, but you know, people are getting into the hobby thinking that, you know, they can make money off this product. Right. So, I mean, aside from uh, collecting um, one of the, the, the reasons why it's so lucrative is because you, you, you see, you hear these success stories about how people make, you know, considerable amount of money from flipping. And I just don't know if this prism draft is profitable well, you there's, know? Always, there's always product that you can kind of consider a hobby trap in a way because a lot of new collectors without guidance just want to get product and they assume all products not necessarily equal but good 
And uh, uh, the classic example to me is on Instagram, I see new collectors come in um, during the baseball season last year, and they'd be buying up all this, you know, what I call the extraneous tops product, like tops fire and things like that. And they're showing off what they got in those products. And that is, again, if you're a collector, this does not apply and no. um, collect what you want to collect. But unfortunately, a lot of people entering the hobby are now entering it to make money rather than enjoy it and collect it. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important part, at least for me, yeah. I'm finding salvation and yeah. organizing cards and enjoying the hobby, getting on Instagram, meeting people, talking to people, doing this. That's why you and I are doing this. We're not exactly doing right. this to make money. We're doing this to engage uh, the community and create some discussion and hopefully uh, contribute to it. So yeah, th there's a trap there for new collectors where they just think everything is there's gold in them, there are hills. And it's like you said, also, the important point is people have, want something to do before the big product hits, because I think Prism's coming in a couple of months. It's not, yeah. uh, it's not right around the corner, but, and there's going to be other products filling those holes. And you're right. If people overdo it and put too much money, you can just see by that John Morant example that it's, it's not the best bang because for your buck. I'm sure at, at before actual Prism came out, that job was probably pretty expensive. You know what Absolutely. I mean? That's the only product on the market of jaw, you know? So well, it's like the Lafreniere uh, star rookies in CHL certainly took a dip once the young guns hit, right? Because well, now you've got yes, the official. Exactly. But do you see what laugh is at now? It's starting to come down. 120 bucks, that, I think. That, that, that hype was way too high. Um, there was a lot of disappointment with the quality control and the product. And, and that breeds a little bit of distrust with upper deck. Look, it is what it is. I've always been a fan of upper deck. Yeah. I love their customer service, but I'm not going to display any bias on this show, especially when we're talking about people's hard earned money Yeah, um, that, that flopped. And, uh, I think people are just being more careful now that it also coincides with the fact that people are now building up in basketball and maybe it's allocation of funds, but even hardcore hockey collectors were a little disappointed. And I think they recognized it was just simply too high. Yeah. Um, considering what, you know, past young guns, number one draft picks have come out at, that was way too high. Just not to say that. Yeah. Could be a big opportunity there, by the way, with the Laffy, if he does come out gunning and the Rangers play well, yeah. but yeah, with basketball, that's the symptom of everything that's happening. Someone has a good scrimmage. They go, they go crazy. Uh, LeBron mentioned someone's name. They go crazy. The 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 the, the, and, the, the and the decreases. Yeah. This is too much. I don't like that at all. This is generally why I I have been staying out of the really high end. And by the way, so many so many podcasts and so many discussions I'm hearing. I'm really on the outside looking in, listening to these people discuss cards I'll never own. I'm not interested yeah, in knowing. Yeah, me too already incredibly expensive i like to keep things i like i like people to know if they're listening to this podcast they're talking to people who are generally operating in what people call the low to mid end range um and uh, the basketball realm is just so out of control with high-end product and these these crazy jumps from day to day uh, that's that kind of takes the fun away you're, you're going to find yourself stressed you're going to find yourself with anxiety about when to hold when to sell uh, I'd be like a seller on some of the things that are blowing up right now. If I had them personally, yeah. when it comes to basketball, I'm buying up hockey, I'm buying up baseball. And if I had that strategy, I'd be selling the basketball right now to try to 
pick up some hockey and baseball. Yeah, but Personal. I mean, that's obviously because we're not we're not invested like emotionally right. in, in basketball. Sure. And but, that's a big thing. Yeah, you know, exactly. cards are stock in your favorite players, and it, it really joins you to to the sport and to the games you're watching. Same way gambling does, unfortunately, For right? Sure. If you've got money on the game, yeah, you're gonna be glued to the TV set. You're gonna be shouting and jumping and that's the same thing when you've got uh you know investments in the players and the teams for sure you know that's that's exactly it that's a big part of what makes the hobby so great point is just uh be wary team don't put all your eggs in one basket unless you want to put all your eggs in one basket in which case you know i really i hope genuinely like and i'm not even just saying this sarcastically like i genuinely hope that you're yeah. successful like more power to the person who is successful yeah, more power to the person right now who feels that what they want to do is uh, I'm holding a Beckett graining pen, by the way. Sorry about hey, sorry, hey. Beck, sorry, I grabbed one of these at the table at the last show. It reminds me of back when there were shows. It's a very warm, fuzzy feeling. No kidding. Um, but uh, I totally got off track from what we were just saying there, Brendan. We were just talking about, uh, you know, respecting everyone's decision. And yeah, I respect the decision. If you want to put all your money right now into the Zion basket, Man, what a payoff it will be for you if he's everything we hope he will be. Uh, I prefer to diversify myself. I always have. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, you know, I made an unexpected purchase the other day. I took a road trip. Um, well, it was kind of a trade and a purchase, but it was unexpected. I hadn't planned for it. And this, this is something that happens. You know, With the hobby, there are going to be those spontaneous moments. I know that a lot of people espouse the virtues of planning um, and, uh, you know, uh, is it Brett or Brent McGrath is always dropping these little um, thoughts and philosophies of the day. And they're all very, you know, they're, they're all very clearly things that we should be aware of on a day-to-day -day basis. If you want, if you want to pick something up, you know, sell this item, knowing what you need to pick that item up, but there are spontaneous moments. This is life, right? And in life, and especially as a collector, all of a sudden you've got something in front of you. And the concept is if I, if I pick that up, I can rest assured knowing because I've diversified, I can dig into my stash. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. I've been talking a lot about UFC. I had no idea what was going on with John Bones Jones cards. I'll be honest. Um, his base rookie card used to trade for 2 to $5. It's now trading in the $100 range. His autograph rookie is now over $1,000. I didn't know this was happening. I could go in and check out my diversified stash, pull out things I wasn't even aware of. And by the way, when, when a situation like that happens, you may find yourself uh really impressed with yourself and i'm gonna hold this card that's now worth so much but wouldn't it make sense brendan if you didn't expect it and it's a lot more than you thought isn't that a great opportunity to take that and put it into something else that you really want that you are aware of honestly i do that to myself all the time with respect to you know occasionally i leave 20 bucks in like my jackets there every winter every winter undoubtedly I'll leave like 20 bucks in my jacket. And then the next winter when I'm suiting up once more to go outside for the first time in six months, I reach into my pocket and I'm like, motherfucker, you left me a gift. Thank you so much. And you're two thirds of the way there to a 2021 <laughs> blaster. <laughs> <laughs> go talk about those things. I still got PTSD. Or maybe you're only half the way there. Yeah. I, I, 2021. Oh boy. Look, there's some people that have better stories, I guess, and better luck, but my goodness. <laughs> so i mean i guess we can keep talking so first of all i got one question for you actually you were just talking about how you went to uh the burlington hidden Inject. gems now real quick you said that you traded some stuff 
I did. Did you just bring stuff in your car? You're like, screw it. I'm bringing this stuff. I brought a bunch of stuff. Listen, if I'm heading to a, 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 a local card store. I would have never thought that. Remember, they are always looking for product, right? They need to stock their shelves. And uh, uh, I mean, it ended up being fantastic because I, I, I had no hesitation. I'll give you examples of the type of stuff I brought. The stuff that I'm not really into, like basketball. Now, would a local store be interested in basketball right now in this market? You, they Sure they would. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got a, a huge PSA order full of slabs. There's some PSA nines, there's some doubles, there's some extras. Okay, spreading the love, right? Those, these are not things I need immediately. And also it takes time, right? eBay listings take some time and I wanna yeah, focus sure. on the stuff that is most important and will be most beneficial to me. Um, so absolutely, that we, we ended up in a scenario where, you know, I was looking to uh, crack some product. I was looking to get some vintage product to put away. Uh, I was specifically looking for some Gretzky's. We'll talk about that later on. Um, I got what I needed and, and uh, the store owner got what he needed. And it was, uh, it was really good in that sense. So you should never hesitate to deal with uh, store owners and people that are, you know, quote unquote, professional in the game, uh, despite whatever your status is as a collector or a business, uh, business person or a dealer. Um, there's a lot to benefit both ways, right? I like so, that, man. I, you know, I just would never have thought that, you know, like I, but I like it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really good opportunity for me to clear some space. Right. So I'm always happy to get rid of bulk for, you know, getting some key pieces uh, or, or, or picking up some interesting uh, wax. I find with hockey, right. Like as the years go on, it's tougher to find blasters every year at the expo there, there was a company that would come out and have tables and tables full of sealed product and blasters at great prices, people cracking them, talking about what they were pulling. And unfortunately, we don't have those experiences anymore. So for me, but to be able to get blasters that are now, you know, three, four or five years old, it was an awesome experience. Um, sad to report, nothing major came out of it, but you cracked um, them? But nonetheless, what's that? You cracked them? Yeah, a few of them. What'd I'm you keeping crack? some. What'd uh, 1617 blasters, uh, 1516 series two, which I really like because you're not going to get the base Connor, but you can chase the Connor canvas program of excellence is inserts and an Eichel rookie. Right. So yeah, it didn't go great. I did pull that Iserman. That was one in 5,000. The, the, uh, David, the cup flashback. Upper deck's great with these Easter eggs that we sometimes forget I know. exist in the product. Right. It was literally like last pack, last card. It was, it was pretty cool. What does that retail for? Uh, someone's got one up for around a hundred on eBay. Um, it's the only one I've seen. Like they just don't, they just don't pop up. It's pretty cool. I'd probably grade that shit. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't in great shape out of the pack, but it's still a great card. It's, it's a nice card to put in a one touch, put put aside. Um, so what I wanted to discuss, uh, today kind of as the meat of our meal here, Brendan is, uh, you know, things like research, And, uh, you know, if you want to call it data in the hobby, I don't know if that's the correct term, but it all boils down to knowledge and learning. And that is important in this. There's, there's just so many facets to this. It's not as simple as people would think if you say, I collect baseball cards. Okay. Well go collect baseball cards, open a pack, do your thing. So much more complicated now with the variety of product with grading and, it's, it's a golden age for collectors. If you're just collecting and displaying, man, is it ever a wonderful time. But if you're also kind of doing this as an investment or as a business, there are things that are going to help you kind of have a step ahead of the game if you're kind of paying attention to the right things. And, and we've already mentioned it all starts with 
sharing content, taking in content, identifying who you should be listening to. Again, here's a hint. Most of these subscription services, most of these services where people are really making it a point to tell you what to do. You know, I, you know how much I love people telling me what to do, Brenda. Um, they are new to the hobby. Some of these people in a timeline, if I've been in the hobby this long since the Jurassic era, they're, they're a little blip on the radar. And I laugh at them when they're trying to tell me what to do or how to go about doing it. Um, the people that have been in this game the longest are not the ones that they, they got better things to do than be charging you, you know, subscriptions to, to hear their opinion. Yeah. And you can I mean, tell right point It's really easy to just tell people to invest in like, like big names, right? Like, sure. I mean, and the, the worst part is like what happens with those people in the middle or like that just can't afford that. Right. Like you're paying for tips on how to invest in Jason Tatum and you know, Jason Tatum PSA 10 prism is X number of dollars. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it just, yeah. There's always, there's always the danger of the pump and dump. Although I don't, I don't really believe that's the main thing. A lot of people I think overstate that. I don't think so um, either, man. Like, yeah, it's not that they're pumping and dumping. They're just putting out cliched, boring information. Feel, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, exactly. And it, and it's not, it's not just about that. They're holding So there, there have been some cases where very clearly that's what happened. Um, but in most cases, they're, they're just giving you something obvious. Like, look, uh, buy a Michael Jordan rookie card if you can. Okay. Yeah. And if, and if you can't afford that, buy a Zion card, you know? And again, this is a choice you should, you should be doing the research and you should be able to figure out whether or not you want to invest in that and you want to ride that wave or not. That's, you know, that's, that to me is not a complicated issue deciding what you want to collect and how you want to make money. Um, if you, you got to want, like the first thing I would do if I was a brand new collector right now is not much. I'd just be watching the market. Yeah. I'd be watching the trends and the patterns and getting a sense for it. Um, and a lot of that will come, by the way, from doing stuff. So a lot, this past couple of weeks, I noticed a lot of these podcasts and a lot of this content regarding, um, you know, giving that responsibility to other people. So it's a nasty cycle you can get into. If you're paying someone to tell you what to do, and then you do it. And then you got these cards. You know, okay, I got the cards. Now okay, I, I want. What do I do now? I want to flip them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have an eBay account, and uh, it's really hard talking to people on Instagram about this. They ghost me. Okay. So now you've got a huge problem. Okay. Now that person who's already taking money from you refers you to someone else who's going to do it for you. You're going to send them their card. They're going to sell it for you. Oh, by the way, do you want to grade the card? They're going to grade it for you. This is crazy. I, I've been asked about all this stuff, consignment. And I've done consignment. That was one of the earliest things I did uh, decades ago was people like, hey man, you have an eBay account? I've already been there, done that. And I still do that for friends and I'll do that. I might even do that for you one day if you have a big card and you want to do that, that's fine. But it's certainly not a business for me. Um, I've had people approach me about PSA submission. They're like, hey man, you get all these awesome slabs. Can I get in on it? And I'm like, yeah, not really. I I'm doing it. I'm doing it sometimes for close friends just to kind of help them out. Uh, if someone does a break with me and I've, and again, I haven't done a ton of breaks, but, and they want that card graded, no problem. I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll put it in one of our submissions. Yeah. But this concept that you're putting everything in everyone's hands, oh, the craziest one to me is you're going to let the, you're going to, you're going to have the guy grading for you actually like evaluate your cards. Like what we, you're not learning anything and you're not getting a sense for anything. It is the most 
surface level way of going about doing things. Lazy man collecting. Like you're taking all the fun out of it. You know what I mean? If you don't want to be fun. Stare at something like underneath the light seven times in three different lights. And And by the way, when I do stare at something under the light, do you know how much I'm learning? I'm learning about the product. I'm learning about the the elements to to keep an eye out for. And and I'm taking self-responsibility for my cards, right? So there's a problem if if you're getting graded cards back and you're shocked by the grade, like you could be disappointed. Oh, I got a nine instead of a 10. If you're shocked by the seven or if you're like, wow, I can't believe I got a 10, there's something going wrong. And um, you're also not going to learn much about the market, what your cards can truly go for if you're, if you're just putting it in everyone's hands. My thing is that, and I've told you this before, I take so much satisfaction in the whole process, um, putting stuff in sleeves, scanning them, listing them, answering messages on eBay, shipping them. That is actually a pleasure for me. Yeah, you've got like a 75% uh, gem rate, no? It's like something crazy like that. Oh, with the grading? Yeah, I have a very high uh, gem rate and I love- I'm the one pumping your tires. You don't even have to, you know? Like I'm the one to, (laughs) I've seen it. I've I've been doing it a long time and I care about it. And I love it. I love, I love going through the stuff. I love preparing the PSA order. You and I, and see, see how much faster our orders go. I'm not, not in terms of coming back from PSA, <laughs> how we put them together with more confidence. Um, everything is like nicely organized. I enjoy all that stuff. So if you're going to start having everyone else take care of everything for you, you're, you're missing out on a huge part of how to learn in this hobby. Um, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll tell you, okay, so time is money. You're going to save time because I'm going to take care of it for you. But that's the assumption that, so, so they're saying now you have more time to go out there and buy stuff and, and research stuff. I don't think people are going to play it that way. If you're already putting stuff in other people's hands, that's not your goal. You're just on the surface and that's fine. If you want to be like a, it's an true. asset it's investor true. and do it that way. Yeah. Sure. And by the way, this is not, I don't want this to be like an attack on anyone. There's, no, there's, no, of course. there's a guy, there's a guy on Instagram who provides an amazing service because he specializes in very high end cards. This, this, the stuff that makes people nervous. I've had people tell me I'm nervous about my $5,000 basketball cards and I get it. I get that anxiety and to put it into the hands of, of a pro who has immaculate scans and a great following and a great head uh, for the hobby go for it. But if you're just like, if you're like, I've got my stack of young guns, I've got my stack of prisms and I'm putting it in other people's hands it's to great NBA, NBA debut Kobe white. Yeah. But even still you're missing out on an opportunity to learn and get involved with it. And um, so, you know, I love every week I try to, I try to jump into a position where I can research and learn more about something. And for me right now, it's very personal. I'm, I'm going back to the beginning. Right. I told you that story about my first set, 87, 88 Opeachy. Vintage hockey, in my opinion right now, is a huge, both a huge opportunity and it's something that's really building right now. And, um, you know, so when I start to get back into that, as I have been, I start looking up population reports. I start looking up market pricing because because I have I have no idea what 80 stuff is going for. I've been so focused on modern stuff. So. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some examples here and it ties into my trip to Burlington, obviously, but I'm gushing over this, this card that I have now, Brendan, which is the 86, uh, 87 
Opeachy, 86-87. It's always the double double year in hockey and basketball. And this is a PSA 9 Gretzky. It is beautiful. And again, this is also an extension of the fact that we're not in a PSA 10 world, me and you. Maybe one day we will be yeah. when it comes to this sort of stuff. And it's the difference of thousands of dollars. Yeah. This card is probably running about five, 600 US right now. Really? Yep. And uh, yeah. so there's so much going on with this card. Number one, um, I discovered that this is the third most difficult Gretzky of his 80s material to Great. get in a nine or better. The other two being the rookie, of course, and the 81-82 issue. Um, I love this set. It's got the Patrick Wall rookie card in it. It's got a classic design with the kind of um, dual layer multicolor. Um, and I just, I just love the design of this hockey card. The 81 design, by the way, looks like a Star Wars card to me. It's got this weird, it's got, I don't know, it's got, it reminds me of sci-fi. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of great design and photography in 80s Opeachy. But whenever you do find a design that you like, this is also a great full shot of Wayne with his jersey tuck. Like, this is Wayne. Like, this is who he was. Yeah. His skinny hockey player that on first glance you would not think was the king of the ice, the king of the country, the king of a sport. And um, as you can see, the, the centering is not great left to right. It's awesome top to bottom. Yeah. No white card. It survived all these years. But I'll, just as an example, I'll show you. I, I have tons of these from, from sets that I collected. There's no left border. Really? The centering is terrible versus this, this excellent PSA 9. Now, the other thing is this is a new PSA slab. Uh, you can tell when you look it up, when you look up the serial number on the PSA website. So you'll notice that, you know, every five, 10 years, there's a different strategy with how PSA grades cards. So, you know, OPG has issues with centering the edges. Now I know what a PSA 9 is acceptable, looks, yeah. what it looks like in an acceptable PSA 9 for the new graders that are out there working at PSA. I just took in some important information because I'm now grading a lot of my vintage. Yeah. So that's important information that I could only get by seeing this card. I didn't have to get it, but I could have just looked at it, but now yeah, I own like, it. it. That's what spurred all the rest of the, rest of the, the research. So, you know exactly. I mean? And this is going to directly help me with grading strategy. Uh, another example, I told you about the John Bones Jones cards, his rookie 2009. Uh, it's, uh, it's actually uh, 2000, 2009 round two. It was only the second UFC top set. I was looking through my stack of them, uh, hoping to grade one or two. And I'm like, you know what? These all have edge problems. But then I went online and I looked up graded examples. And there's a degree of that edgeware that they allow because there simply aren't any that exist without edgeware. Do you ever look at the PSA 10 Gretzky that was sold? Oh, it's, does it look perfect? It's the best example that exists of the. Why do you say right? that? Because as as we've been talking about on the show a few times, and it seems like I can't shut up about it. But uh, so some of the soccer cards I'm seeing are uh, specifically like the 2018s from the World Cup Prism. Yeah. Um, I recently I've been looking at like getting a Mbappe, and uh, you know I something like this. Obviously that's not a uh, 2018, but so I've been looking at getting Mbappe and there are these weird divots on the bottom of the Chrome. Like it's like, it almost looks like someone pressed their. Yeah. Thumb I see those in basketball where the thing comes up, right. Where the, the little arches are, do you know what I'm talking about near the bottom? Yeah. yeah like a little, it's, it's it literally on either side. 
And I've seen so many people like, and they've been amazing in telling me, they're like, hey, the only imperfection is this, this press mark. And so I went on, on eBay and I looked up PSA 10 versions of, of these cards. And guess what? Majority of them that are, were graded PSA 10s have these press marks in them. So okay. the so only important. way that you can actually figure that out is by doing research. Otherwise, you think that this card is, you know, it's, it's not worth grading. But hey, by the way, they are because most of them are like that. Like, I'm not saying this, that Mbappe has is, is always been like this, but I'm just saying that be aware that maybe you might think your card has an imperfection, but that's a regular thing. Uh, yep. it's, it's funny because, and I'm just going to jump really quickly into one more thing. I was talking to someone on Instagram about something similar to this and they were complaining about a, a scratch, not a scratch, a printing line that, printing line. that one of their cards had, it was a very, it was, I think it was a, as a Holland rookie card out of 50. So very expensive card, but there was a printing line on it. And we were talking really quickly and he looked up on the PSA website, their, their policy behind print lines. And it was quite interesting because what they said is that, if the print line doesn't take away from the actual, the, the photo, like the cards photo, then there are some graders who would grade that accordingly. They'd be like, you know what? I understand there's a printing line. There's nothing we can do about this, but this card is still in X shape. And I yep. found that really cool. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And uh, although at the end of the day, it's still subjective and will depend on the grader you get. And, sure. you know, there may be some surprises. The, the, the bottom line is it, it's, I, I tend to look at it in a subgrade kind of way, even if it's PSA. Yeah. Um, because the concept is they're, they're not, they're not just going to look at that line. They're going to look at the corners, the edges. If everything else is so strong, other than just that line, I do believe that there is a shot at, at a full, gem great yeah. it's obviously not guaranteed yeah, right of course um, and i'm not saying that by i'm just saying that it's really interesting to like just understand what certain cards and certain sets what they might might be a predisposition for in terms of their absolutely and with that said just getting back to the the vintage hockey that that's something that's always going to be there because the further back you go the cheaper the cardboard stock the more vintage it is um, that that's what you're going to see is leeway given to that. So that's important. And that's, that's why I wanted to see how PSA is grading that stuff. And then, you know, just, just to harp on this, just a little bit more, this, you know, I come to find out this card has a population of about 180. Okay. I was looking up PSA nine Jordans and Gretzky's. These guys are iconic. These guys are upper deck representatives, by the way, spokespeople. Um, and it's just, it's mind numbing. By the time Jordan was in his third year and they were dropping 88, 89 cards, his all-star stick, his all-star is uh, in, in the range of 2,500 PSA nines. The all-star stickers in the range of 5,000 PSA nines. There is no Gretzky from this era. Even if you start doing his league leader cards and things like that, which I like to collect these days, they're not over 300 examples in the world. And as more and more hockey player, uh, hockey collectors head back and as more new hockey collectors enter the market, this Gretzky sales got older, older collectors coming in, not just young collectors that are attracted to the, the Lafreniere and all that kind of stuff. There's just not any of these to go around. Like you mentioned at the beginning of the, of the podcast is scarcity, scarcity. If you, if, if, if you've got something on your mind, when you wake up in the morning, you're, you are assured if you want to pick up a Zion today, 
pick one up. You got buy it now. You got bidding. Your friend down the street probably has one. You want a PSA 980s Gretzky? All right, man, you may have to drive out to a store or you may have to pay way too much and I'm buying now. Bidding wars, you know, like, you know, and yeah, there will be huge bidding wars. I know PWCC just listed a bunch right now. They're trying to take advantage of the hype and there's going to be huge bidding wars. That's going to be good news for anyone holding uh, vintage Gretzky. Um, You just can't wake up and get it just because you want it. You're you're now on a journey to to get it instead of just being able to, to, to grab it. Yeah. And while I was messing with the vintage hockey, just for, just for the fun of it, Brendan, since I know so many of our listeners are, are hockey fans, I got some interesting cards that I, I pulled out of the stacks here uh, from my own stacks. The, the 71-72 set is so classic. Ken Dryden, Guy Lafleur rookie cards. Who's this guy, Brendan? Can you see who this guy is? You might not guess based on the team. Tim Horton. This is Timmy Horton on the Tim Penguins. Is, uh, did he like drinking coffee? Yeah, man, this is Canada right here in a in a cardboard, you know, in a cardboard uh, uh, example. Is that a Penguins jersey. So he played for uh, apparently his uh, he played for the Rangers the year previous, but they managed to get a photo shoot with him for really? the set where he was geared up as a Penguin, which is funny because in the eighties you saw a lot of this going on airbrushing. Here's Bobby. What team's Bobby playing for here? The Blackhawks. He's he's a Blackhawk and he's got a painted on jersey. So a lot of airbrushing and painting on was going on with these cards because they wouldn't be able to get these guys. This is wild. You got, you got Bobby on the Bruins from 66 to 76. He played 76, 77 with the Blackhawks just for 20 games where he had, by the way, 23 points, more than a point per game. And so they painted on the Blackhawks Jersey there. So I found it interesting that with the Tim Horton, they managed to get him in for a photo shoot uh, because so many of the Gretzky league leaders, particularly from 82, 83, they airbrushed him for some reason. I have no idea why. Wow. I started looking uh, looking it up. I Googled it. And uh, people certainly make fun of the cards, but they don't know why they were airbrushing Wayne. Yeah. Uh, not on his base cards. But anyways, just a side note there uh, from my messed up mind. I like it, man. I like little tidbits, dude. Let's also loop back to uh, the selling, right? So we talked about you're in this vortex where you've invested. And let's say it's paid off, particularly if you're in basketball, it probably did. You're like, wow, this card I bought for 100 is now 600. So, um, when it comes to eBay, and this has been blowing up my DMs a bit lately, uh, is the concept of I've got some cards to sell. A lot of them are high end. I'm just starting out on eBay. It's a little scary. Should I do it? And it's like, if you have a new account with without that history of sales, you may have trouble with the high end items, but you'll do fine with some lower end items. So I always recommend that people do two things, do a lot of buying, do a lot of selling of the lower end items and build up your presence and your feedback to get to the point where there's a little bit more trust because you're simply not going to get the attention, the bids or the watchers if your account is kind of newer and you don't have that history of selling um, more more high end material. Um, List things at the right time, Sunday nights and Monday nights. That's all I can tell you. I just gave you the juiciest tidbit I can give you. It's not rocket science. I'm not the first one to remind people of this. I've known it for a long time. You're not going to do well if your auctions are ending on Saturday morning. However, if you're a buyer, you better bookmark. There's a little heart. Better bookmark the guy that keeps selling on Saturday morning because you're going to benefit from that quite a bit. Um, it's important yes. to book. Yeah, it's, I, I will bookmark a seller if they provide good service. I will bookmark a seller if they are a doofus. 
So if you're on my bookmark list, I either have a high degree of respect for you or you're a doofus. <laughs> Could be either or, you know. But if you are a doofus, I'm going to tell you I have a lot of respect for you. Yeah, yeah I still love you, though. You know, <laughs> And I'm, it's not like I'm not paying you. I'm paying you, you know. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's, not, that's not taking advantage of anyone. No. And uh, yeah, to, without, without spending too much time throwing back something we've been through, Brendan, it's like end of the day, again, um, everyone's got an opinion and uh, don't be telling me what to do with my stuff. I'm not going to tell you what to do with yours and treat everyone well. Um, and that's the thing. 2020 is not the year, shouldn't be the year of negativity. No. I'm just going to throw that out there because there is a lot of negativity these days on Insta. I look, I've got caught up in it, you know, like I, I only got ripped off a couple times this year, which is pretty good. I think Yeah, and one of the times it wasn't for that much money, but boy, did I take it personally because yeah. everything's tough right now for everyone. So yeah. even the smallest thing might set you off, but it's so not worth it in terms of the mental energy that you expend. No way, you man. get so much more out of being positive. And, uh, for all the negative stuff that's been going on, man, I, I now have a roster of people that I stay in touch with almost on a daily basis. I check out their content. I get involved in hobby stuff with them. Um, that is the big bonus of the year for me, getting on Instagram and uh, connecting with people, connecting with you through the hobby. Great. I'm sure we would have connected otherwise through fitness, yeah. but hey, why not add another layer to yeah. it? Yeah. You know, and, um, I think this segues perfectly into... Let's our, segue while I get more festive. Our fitness component. And I, I might as well show mine off too, because you guys you guys saw a Christmas sweater, but you didn't see what kind of Christmas sweater. The cartel's getting festive. He's not just heading into the right, new year. Here we go. In the holidays. I think All it's right. a perfect time to talk New Year's resolutions, team. And I know some of you might be upset with maybe what you couldn't accomplish in 2020. Uh, and that, first off, I'm going to stop you and just say, don't be. 2020 was a year of adapting. It was a year of struggle. It was a year of many changes. And uh, don't fault yourself for not getting to where you wanted to be or where you thought you should be. Because let me tell you something real quick. You have so much time. No matter how old you are, you have so much time to do everything you've ever wanted, all right? And I say this as a young buck and whatever, but like, I'm gonna be real with you. Let's say you're 55 years old and you hate your job. Guess what? I mean, you got what? At least 30 years left on this planet as long as you take care of yourself and there's no unforeseen circumstances. So just don't spend another day being upset. Don't spend another, and obviously sometimes we can't, we can't do anything about it, but let's try to take one step further each and every day one step in the direction in the positive direction where you're feeling better and putting you first it, obviously not in a in a uh, selfish manner but like put you first and uh, i think that transitions perfectly into and having a resolution next year that is is small let's let's talk a little bit about doing smaller new year's resolutions because i find a lot of us we set ourselves up for failure in saying, I'm going to lose 60 pounds next year. And, you know, what would you say to that, Aton? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I, there's no problem with setting lofty goals. But like you said, that, that does, when, when we're taking on too much or building a, a mountain that's too tall, it, it can sometimes affect uh, the process. Uh, small goals are fantastic that way. 
And I, I definitely encourage everyone to, and, and to do it the right way. So if the goal is just as an example, losing weight, because I, I think at this point, almost all of us do, uh, Brendan, I don't think you do. I honestly, I, the last, the last week and a half, man, I'm telling you. Last yeah. Week yeah. Half, I, yeah, yeah. I'm the heaviest I, I've ever been. I, 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 I may not express that since I'm a long, tall guy. Um, but I am the heaviest I, I've ever been. I, I am essentially a weightlifter slash powerlifter. Again, I may not fit the bill, but I'll have, you know, and Brendan knows my numbers are very impressive. I take yeah, it very are. seriously. It's a passion. Uh, I know your numbers are more impressive, Brent. Let's not forget, this is a relationship, just so people know. This relationship goes back a few years, Brendan. Yeah. When you were starting out in the fitness industry, I was the old man, took you under my wing, and you surpassed me. Those morning sessions, deadlifting and squatting, my God, man, I'm pretty sure I saw you through to three plates on the squat, and you smashed four plates on the deadlift. Yeah. And again, you're also not a guy people might look at right away and think as a powerlifter. And I hate that, by the way, because you don't have to be a gigantic dude to be a powerlifter. Um, the most impressive athletes I've personally worked with uh, in all sorts of different sports, powerlifting, bodybuilding, etc., cetera, uh, came from a position where they were not what you would immediately expect. And that's doing away with assumptions and, and uh, judgmental thought. But uh, if I'm on my way to the, the concept that next year means returning to the gym after a huge long layoff, losing weight, this is all very overwhelming. So how am I starting this? I'll give you my personal example. Number one, I'm going to start eating better. And that doesn't mean tomorrow I wake up and I go cold turkey because guys that will really frustrate you and it won't work. It means tomorrow I'm going to eat better. Yeah. And we all know what it is. We're adults. Okay. And you don't need me and Brendan to humor you here. Eat better tomorrow. Get through the whole week having eaten better. Get through a whole month having eaten better. I know I will see a change visually and in the scale. And that will motivate me. And then I'm on to the next. Get back to working out. You know what I spent a lot of time this weekend doing, uh, Brendan? Um, I engaged in something I've made fun of and that I didn't embrace previously, the Turkish kettle. Yeah. And a lot of kettlebell work. And I have done kettlebell work, but not in this kind of focused manner. Sure. And I'm loving it. It's enjoyable. It's a pattern of movement that I find very engaging. And I'm now doing that every morning when I get up. How quickly do you think I'm going to see really nice results even a month from now? Well, not huge results, but nice results. Yeah. Right. So, so definitely piece by piece is great advice. I would agree with you. Yeah. In, in that respect. I, I would also say, since we are in the sports market slash hobby and we all enjoy sports, Take a look at what we saw in 2020. I'm just going to throw two names at you, Yaramir Yager and Mike Tyson. Let's draw from what's right in front of our face. If you feel like you're too old, if you feel like you're broken down, if you feel like you're messing with an injury, there's no one who, hasn't, who is in a situation that someone hasn't gone through and conquered. And find inspiration that I am so inspired by Yager, I'm telling you. Um, the guy looks exactly like he did 20, 30 years ago. He's entering yet another year in professional sports. Is he? He's banging 18-year-old models. <laughs> yeah, he has officially signed on for the, the, the next season. Um, let me tell you which league it is because it's, it's, it's obviously this is interesting stuff, but it's, uh, it's probably a Euro league, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah, what is it now? Uh, is, is he, is he coming up on 33rd, his 33rd season and he's going to be playing in the Czech Republic. No. So, you know, and Mike Tyson, you know, don't even get me started. That guy changed everything about his life because he wanted to continue living. 
And so never give up no matter what the situation is. Um, make the small goals, like you mentioned, find the right help. Um, kind of like the hobby, right? Research. And you can get help from other people, but don't give all the responsibility away or you're not really experiencing it and you're not going to see the same results, in my opinion. So that's a nice little actual parallel um, that exists between the hobby and taking care of yourself. Um, if you are someone who's made a lot of money from this crazy market, start to invest in yourself because you're going to make all the money in the world. But if you're out of shape and if you're overweight and you're miserable, you're going to just be miserable with a lot of money. So I would say, you know, while you're redirecting some of the, some of those finances into your grails, into your PC, into future investments, redirect some of that into yourself as well. That does not mean go out and buy a bunch of supplements. It means go out and buy some good food. Um, buy some kettlebells, buy whatever you need to support a new healthy habit. Right? I think it's a great suggestion. I think it's great advice. I think that uh, these holidays, I hope uh, everyone spends in a healthy and safe manner, as healthy and safe as we can be during these times. And uh, I am ready to let these wonderful people do whatever they want to do from this point forward. Absolutely, man. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll wrap up this special Christmas edition. We've got some exciting, um, exciting things you will have read about by the time we, we drop this podcast. And uh, yeah, I think a giveaway. might be a couple, might be a few giveaways. <laughs> so uh, giveaways that, tie into everything you've been listening to again. So again, I, I just want to, again, repeat what our mission statement is. And our mission statement is to uh, talk about the hobby, enjoy the hobby, get you throwing us on in the background while you're doing your thing, while you're ripping wax, while you're organizing, while you're preparing a submission. We're always available if you want to shoot us a DM with any questions. Uh, a lot of trading going on right now. I'm definitely open to a lot of trading right now. There's not a lot of ton of money go around. So I'll trade with you. And uh, yeah, we're always, uh, we're always here to offer advice when it comes to the realms of both fitness and the hobby. We are the cardboard coaches is what we do. We like cardboard. We coach, we do it. No, no coaching cardboard though. It'd be kind of weird, but I mean, we can, we can coach you cardboard on what to do with your cardboard to a degree. It'd be kind of yeah. weird. I don't know, but absolutely. <laughs> anyway team i hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and uh let's keep pushing i hope you guys have a wonderful holiday and we will see you again this time next week merry Oops. christmas everyone from the scc and the cc take care team